Today we're going to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to start, and we're going to stay in the Corinthians uh, as we go through it. Today we're talking about comparison trap. As we continue to talk about, we are in the world, but not of the world. You and I use comparison all the time. Maybe you're good at it, maybe you're not good at it, but you use comparison all the time in your life. Maybe you're making decisions about what restaurant you should go to. Maybe you're making decisions about where you should grocery shop or which things you should get. You compare products. You compare prices. That is good and wise. I don't know that we could live without comparison. If you are the coach of a youth team, you make comparisons amongst the players that you see in front of you. Some of them can kick the ball. Others, some of them can kick the ball. So you choose who does what by comparison. You deploy people to different spots. You compare opportunities. If you've had job offer opportunities, you, you compare one to the other. Even many of us, when we look for churches, you go to one church and then you go to another church and you compare them. Because ultimately, we don't make any perfect decisions, but we often find what we think is the best decision and some confidence in that decision by means of comparison. So comparing is a normal and necessary skill that we have in this life. But what I want to say today is that as a believer, comparing is a terrible way to measure your worth. It's a terrible way to measure whether your life is going well or poorly. It is a really big trap. And sometimes I think Christians get caught in thinking the way that people without Jesus think. Certainly, everyone wants to know that they have value and worth, that they matter and are important. That is an essential part of a healthy soul. But how you decide that matters. And I think, unless you know Jesus, you probably try to decide it by looking around at what you see and deciding where you fit. I remember finding myself in comparison and finding myself on the short end of the stick. None of you knew me when I was in middle school, when I was a seventh grader. The first message that I ever preached, I was in seventh grade, and I was this tall, literally. I was 90 pounds in seventh grade and this tall. And so I preached a message in evening church. It was a preaching competition, and they had a big old pulpit like they had back in those days, or maybe they still have, I don't know. And they put a step behind it so that I wouldn't be hidden behind the pulpit so that people could see me. That's how small I was. Now, you might think that that is a great advantage to be tiny as a boy in middle school. It is not. You are not the person picked first at recess for the football team. And just to make it extra awkward, when you line up for school pictures, you line up smallest to tallest. And everyone in the class knows who's the smallest. This does some things to your ego. This does some things to your sense of self-worth. I remember riding to a, a youth group event in a church van with many friends of ours that we had known our whole life, dear, dear friends. And this, this girl in our youth group who was not a romantic interest at all, but was a good friend, she decided that she was going to compare my leg to her boyfriend's leg. I didn't know this. I didn't, I didn't, she just said, hey, come here, sit next to him. So her boyfriend's name was Joe. She said, come sit next to Joe. So I sat next to him and I said, what are you doing? She said, I just want to compare your legs. And my leg paled in comparison. I was a boy and he was a man. And she laughed at the differences to my 
everlasting chagrin. She did not think there was anything wrong with it. She thought it was hilarious and funny. That's the kind of person she was. But in that comparison, I learned up close and personal, yet again, the deficits of trying to find your value in comparing yourself to others. Believers, I want to say to you today that if you are discouraged in life, if you feel valueless, if you feel hopeless, one of the reasons might be that you are trying to measure yourself or your life in comparison by what you see. And we are in the world, but not of the world. And that in part means we do not measure our lives or ourselves like the world does. Many of us do not recognize the influence the world has on us as we consume the culture around us, as we listen to what shows up on TV and the commentary, as we engage with music that has messages in it, as we watch movies that have morals to them, as we have discussions with friends. And if we aren't on guard, we find ourselves falling into a trap of trying to measure our lives and ourselves the way that they do. But comparison doesn't actually work. It actually is devastatingly poisonous. I'll give you one example. Church, I don't know if you knew this, maybe this is a newsflash for you, but church has tended to have a reputation of being judgmental. Is that, I heard the collective gasp of the room. <gasps> Anybody surprised about that? What is judgmental really? It really is comparing, isn't it? It really is, you're not, you don't measure up. I'm looking at what I see, and I've decided that your problems that are visible are worse than my problems that aren't visible, because guess what? I've got problems that aren't, don't I? And I've compared it, and I've judged you, and I've made you feel like less. Comparison doesn't actually work. We won't find our value by comparing ourselves to someone else. It is a good thing to be reminded of. And I saw this, I've heard, I've seen this saying many, many times. If we could put that up there, Alex, this saying to me, now it's mostly associated with, with Craig Rochelle. It is a saying that I think we could take to heart because I think we've all found it to be true. It says this, it's on, it looks like it's on a bathroom mirror, maybe like a, a public bathroom somewhere. It's trying to remind people when you look in the mirror, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Many of us devalue the precious gifts that God has gave us. Your humanity, your body, your appearance, your relationships, your family, your children, your job, your calling, the pathway. We devalue it because instead of seeing how precious it is that God gave it to us and being grateful and thankful, we look around at what we think everyone else has and all of a sudden what I have pales in comparison to them. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen that go on around you? Why do we do it? Why should we turn from it? That's what I want to look at today. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going to start. And we're going to start here where Paul says, comparing is unwise. Let's start in verse 7. It says this, you are judging by appearances. He's talking to the Corinthian church and he's saying to them, you are judging by what you see, by what it looks like, by appearances. Then he goes on to say, if anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So you can think on that verse a little bit. What Paul is saying to them, there's a discussion going on about whether Paul is a, a legitimate apostle, whether he measures up, whether they should listen to him or not. And he's saying, you, Corinthians, are trying to make that decision based on what you see. 
And the product of your comparison is that you're treating me, who has clearly been called by God to be your spiritual father, to be an apostle, and you are downgrading me as though I do not belong to Christ as much as these other contenders. And he says, even if I grant that they belong to Christ, I belong to Christ as much as they do. So one of the things that comparison does is it starts to make us treat someone who has value in Jesus Christ like they have less value than they have. That's tragic, isn't it? I'm not saying it's always intentional. Uh, Sometimes we compare because we think we're trying to survive. But the product of it often is that we define each other not by the truth of God's word, not by the work of God, but by how we see things. And Paul says, you're missing it. You don't see as clearly as you do. How should we define believers? When you see them, what is their value? You know what their value is? The grace of God has been poured out on their lives. They belong to our heavenly father. That is my brother. That is my sister. And they are worth Jesus' death on the cross that God paid for them. They are a treasure because of his grace. That's how, you want to compare? That's how we compare. If you want to talk about just human beings, people who don't know Jesus, are they of less value than we are? Well, the Bible teaches us that we are all made in God's image and how we treat fellow human beings, not based on appearance, but as believers, based on the fact that they're made in God's image, will reflect how much respect we have for the fact that God made them in his image just like he made me in his image. These are the ways we are invited to to find value in ourselves and in one another's. But instead, we wind up comparing. And as you compare, you can either be the winner or the loser. If you're the winner, that's what's happening here. We started talking about 2 Corinthians in this past summer. We learned that the Corinthians decided Paul didn't measure up to other leaders. They had more power. They had more personality. They had more presence, whatever. And Paul says to them, your comparison where you're trying to see the truth is actually blinding you to the truth. You do not see well enough. And so for us, the lesson is this. We think we can look around and judge. And sometimes we think we look at other people and we think I'm better than them. I must be okay. But Paul says we cannot judge by appearance and should not judge by appearance whether someone is attractive or not attractive, whether we think someone has talent or doesn't have talent. Here's another one. Whether we think someone is annoying or not annoying, whether we think they have money or don't, whether we think they can do something for us or can't, right? Judging by appearances. As believers, we need to be set free from that way of interacting with other people. On the other hand, we can compare ourselves, and I think this is a bigger problem a lot of times in church, with others, and we find ourselves to be the loser. That convinces me that I must be less valuable than someone else. I'm not as spiritual as they are. I'm not as good as they are. My life doesn't look as nice as theirs. And so for some reason, my life is less, and I am less because I've compared But here's the reality, and I want to reestablish this in your soul. If you are a child of God, if you have trusted Christ, you belong to Jesus as much as anyone here, me included. We all got there the exact same way, by grace, through faith. I would say, 
You may think you know enough about my life to compare to me, and you might think that you're not as spiritual as me, but I'm telling you right now, there's plenty about me that you don't know. And if you knew it, I think John Stott one time said to his friend, if you actually knew the real me, you'd come up and punch me in my face. Because the reality is you don't know. So we make comparisons about who's better and who's worse. But the fact is, we can find our value in faith. We don't need to find our value in what we see. We ought not to be people who judge by appearances. Instead, we should see each person as a reflection of their creator, and we should see each believer as a reason to glorify the Lord because of his amazing grace. Now, in case you missed the point, let's read verse 12, because Paul gets more specific, saying, when you use comparison, you are not wise. Here's what he says in verse 12. <clears throat> we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Paul says, I won't dare to do this comparing thing because it is unwise. He doesn't say, now listen, you're trying to compare and you're doing okay, but you just need to get more honest. You just need to, speak, to see better. You just need to get better at, at knowing the truth. No, what he says is, abandon comparison. Abandon it. Let it because it is unwise. He's talking about people who want to be in charge, who think they can lead better than Paul. So they come and they try to give themselves honor. They commend themselves. Paul says, I'm not going to go down that path with them. Paul says, I'm not going to establish my authority with you based on comparison with other people. My authority with you is based on the fact that God called me to it. It's based on faith. It's based on the work of God. It's not based on what everybody thinks. Some of us can't seem to find the way to let go of what everyone thinks. Paul says here, I want you to know that comparison by appearances is unwise. And can you think just practically of any reason that using comparison to measure your value or the, your life is unwise? In your head, can you come up with ideas? Because I would say this, number one, you already know you don't see everything, right? And what you do see, you don't see clear enough to make an absolute judgment. You've got your own experiences. You've got your own uh, prejudices. You've got your own blind spots. And they're all lenses through which you see other people. And by seeing other people through those lenses, you don't see them absolute. So you can't make good, reliable judgments in comparison. We wind up comparing ourselves and maybe feel like, as long as we're better than this one, I must be okay. I call that the Jerry Springer effect. You guys remember that show? I feel like the purpose, you can, you can think differently if you want, but I feel like the purpose of that show became, everybody can watch it and think, my life is a mess, and I'm not sure I'm going to make it, but at least I'm not them. <laughs> right? Those people are really messed up, so I can feel better about my life by comparison. And I can feel like at least I'm normal, even though they are not. There's a deeper reason why we don't live by comparison. We have a better way to live. Turn back a page to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 18, and look at what Paul says here. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul describes that his life has two realities. If you're a believer, you have the same, an inward reality and an outward reality. Now, just to see if you're following along, which one do you see, the inward reality or the outward reality? Which one do people see? Outward, right? So that when we hear Paul say, here's the outward and here's the inward, it's what we all have, and usually we look at the outward reality. Paul says, if you looked at my outward reality, you would think I was losing in life. I'm wasting away. My life is being destroyed on a daily basis. But he says, that's not the real story. In order to find the real story, you'd have to be able to see the inward reality. And inward reality is, I'm headed for glory. So much so that he says, the, the things that I'm facing are light and momentary troubles, and they are easily and overwhelmingly outweighed by the internal reality. He actually, earlier in the chapter, speak, spoke about the weights and the burdens of life. And now he says, that very weight that I spoke about is being transformed into the weight of glory in, in same measure. In other words, as heavy as your life is, that's how much glory God is pouring out in your life into eternity. Now, if you believed that, what would you do about your trials? What would you do about your troubles? What would you do about your stress? If you believed that there was an internal reality where you were being renewed day by day and that these troubles were going to be, in essence, light and momentary when I can fully see, how would I respond to my life? Maybe that sounds like a far-off thing to you. But I'm telling you, you need it. Because Paul says, because of this, we do not lose heart. He gives an unqualified I'm not going to despair, and I'm not going to quit. I talk to believers regularly, and many more who don't talk to me, who feel like they are losing, and they are ready to give up. They have affixed the label of, this life is disappointing, onto their life. It will never get fixed. This is my lot. This is the way. It's always going to be like this. I'm not going to hope for better. Paul says, I never do that. And he says, I never do that because I'm wasting away. What? Wait a minute. When I'm wasting away, that's why I do it. That's why I'm ready to give up. How could Paul say, I'm going to be destroyed, but guess what? I'm going to be okay. I mean, we know we face financial problems. We face jobs that are too much or too little. We face friend crisis. We face relationship crisis, or maybe we don't have a relationship, or maybe our child is in trouble or whatever. And we face all this stuff and we're like, my life is a mess. It's all going to fall apart. Oh no, I might as well throw in the towel. Paul says, I'm never ready to throw in the towel. Why? How? Well, probably because Paul had a much simpler life than you, right? Your life is a whole lot easier than his. I would invite you sometime to read chapter 11 because in chapter 11, what Paul says is, let me tell you a little bit about my experience. When I'm talking about these light and momentary troubles, you're like, well, he called them light and momentary. They can't be that bad. Well, here's what they were. One first thing, I was beaten near to death by Roman officials, not just beaten to death rhetorically. Actually, beaten to death five times. How many times have you been beaten to death? 
Then he says, I was beaten by rods three times, which is, look that up sometime. What beaten by rods in, involves is stretching someone out on a rack and taking a, I think it's an eight to 10 foot pole and hitting them up and down their body until bruises rise on the entire surface of their skin so that you cannot even tell they're a person. Then you flip over and you do it on the other side. Three times. One time he says, I was stoned to death. People got so mad at me, they dragged me out of the city, they put me in a pit, everybody picked up rocks and they threw them down on my head until I was dead. How many times have you had that? When Paul says light and momentary afflictions, light and momentary trials, we think, oh, well, that means it wasn't that big of a deal. I'm telling you, what he's saying is that there's real power in this. I do not lose heart. And I see the things that happen to me as no big deal. Why? Because of the weight of eternal glory, because of the promise that is alive in me, because of the internal reality. If you look at the outside, you make a comparison by the outside, you missed the story of my life. I think most of us miss the story of our own lives because we just keep looking at the outside. And we look at everybody else's outside and we say, my outside isn't as good as your outside. What's the deal, God? The question that is begged from the passage, is it possible to not believe it's hopeless when your life is as much of a mess as Paul's? Paul says, yes. How? Well, he says, we fix our eyes on what is unseen, on what is eternal, on what is enduring. What, not fix like my eyes are broken. Fix like I'm going to keep my focus here. I'm not going to let anything pull my focus away from right here. What is that? What is the everlasting what is, what is eternal? I focus on the inward. And if believer, if you were to focus on the inward, what's inside of you right now? Not someday, right now. What's inside of you right now? The Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, the power of God, the promises he's given you, a, a spirit that guides you and directs you. That's the treasure that's inside. But we're like, that's fine, but it hasn't fixed my outward. Paul says, your outward is nothing. Your inward is eternal. So I keep looking at what is unseen instead of what is seen. It is hard to make comparisons with the unseen, isn't it? Comparison fades into the background when we do that. If you think about and look at what is on the outward, you will be ready to give up. If you define your worth by the outward, you will feel less than. If you look at your life by what is seen, you will compare and your life will always feel like a disappointment. But as believers, we know there's more to the story. And Paul says when we get to our eternal destination, it will be so great and so good that everything else will seem like nothing in comparison. So you're right now, you've got a story in your life, you've got trauma, you've got weight, you've got burden, you've got hurt, you've got pain. And it is overwhelming. Some of us have been crushed by it. Feels like I will never recover. I'll never be myself again. How great and how good does heaven have to be to make that seem like nothing? Paul says that's what we're promised. And as we believe in it, as we live towards it, this light, this life is a lot lighter. We see differently. So don't put weight in what you see physically because you believe in what you don't see. 
Fix your eyes on what is unseen. That's something the world around you can't do, but it is your birthright, and it is what you need to learn how to walk by faith. And so I'm going to close by going to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We don't compare by what we see. We don't give weight to those who do. In other words, someone who wants to compare you by what they see, I don't even listen to you because you don't really see. I don't, have to, I don't have to be beholden to someone else's evaluation based on my outward because my inward is where I'm fixed on, right? Paul says this. Here's a practice that you can take into your own soul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, he says, I care very little, meaning not at all, if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. He starts it off sounding a little snippy and full of himself. I don't care what you think of me. But it turns out to not be that he's full of himself. He's just heaping himself in with them. Like, I don't trust human eyes, not yours and not mine. Because all we see is the outside and all we see is in part. But there is someone who sees perfectly. That's the one I trust to judge me. I'm going to entrust myself to him. It means that I am invited to believe what he says about me. Do you know what God says about you? Do you know what he speaks about your life? I would tell you if you have not done this, you can go read Romans 8 sometime. Romans 8 starts off, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins are gone forever because of him. He is not mad at you. He is not punishing you because your sin was laid on Christ. There's no condemnation to you, right? He says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is what Paul says. As I look at the internal, this is what I see. He says, if you think God is holding back good things from you, listen, look at the cross. Because if God did not spare his son, but freely gave him for you, how will he hold back any good thing from those who love him? He also says, God is able to work all things together for our good. He ends the chapter by saying, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. You need to hear what God says about you. Stop listening to what everybody else says about you. Stop listening to what you say about you. You need to turn and let him speak into your life. I hope today that we see how the world teaches us to compare and God wants to set us free from that. Let's let God measure us. Let's trust what he says about us because he is faithful, he is true, he is your good father and what he says, you can bank on, you can build your life on it. I wanna say to people today maybe who have felt like their lives don't matter, they keep looking to someone to tell them that they're okay. You matter because you matter to Jesus. And that's it. You matter because you matter to Jesus. You're not a lost cause. You're not hopeless because he says you're not. That's enough. And then you can live a life of hope. Measure yourself by the cross. 
It brings us to our knees, but it also fills us with confidence because it's not me doing it to him, and I can trust his promise, but it's nothing about me, so it brings me to my knees, but it makes me absolutely sure that I'm okay because he's holding me. Let's let Jesus set us free from the trap that the enemy lays, causing us to judge by appearances, to focus on the outside, to be trapped in comparison. Let's ask God to do this in our souls. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I pray that your spirit would speak into our souls, that we would be able to lift our eyes up, that the way we have built into our lives these patterns of thinking that pull us away from truth and have discouraged us and, and made us wilt under the weight of life, that have made us believe that, that our lives are out of control, that they are chaotic, that, that they, they are hopeless, that you would set your people free from that trap. That we would take Paul's words to heart. That we would walk in the steps that he leads us in by the power of your spirit. Father, I pray that as your people, our hope would fully be set in you. Our value would be fully determined by you. And that our lives would be alive and full because we have let go of judging by appearances. We've let go of comparing from the outside. And instead, we fix our eyes on what is not seen. Because that's where the promises that you made to us all exist. Do this in your people. We pray by the power of God. For it's in the name of Jesus we ask. Amen.